This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Hey, it's Clint Coons here. And in this video, we are going to talk about midterm rentals. You're going to learn how you can take a normal property and you can generate 30, 40, 50, $60,000 a year renting it out and what the tricks are and how you can go out there and find these tenants, people who are displaced because maybe a man-made disaster or a natural disaster. This is a whole different area of real estate investing that I didn't even know existed. But I've got an expert on we're going to be talking to today who's been doing this, and she's going to share with you the secrets to maximizing the midterm rental space. Okay, let's get started. Dr. Rachel Gainsbrew, thanks for coming on. And um, why don't you, before we get started, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your 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 background because you're a doctor, you're in short-term rentals, medium-term rental space, real estate investor. I mean, it sounds you got a lot of balls in the air. So I'm sure people are going to wonder, how are you putting this together? I know, right? But I, I thank you so much, Clint, for having me. And thank you for the content that you're putting out there, the education that you're giving the community because it's so needed. You have a lot of busy professionals out there who are looking for another way to stop exchanging their hours for dollars. So I just can't thank you enough. But a little bit about me, um, I'm a little girl from Haiti, which is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, south of Florida, and raised in Miami. And I knew from the very start that I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to figure out a way that I could help others. And so I went into the healing professions, but I quickly re realized that the healthcare burnout is real, um, walked away with a ton of student loan debt. My husband and I, we worked our fingers to the bone trying to pay it off. But eventually, when we got to the other side of it, um, we decided, you know what? We need to find a way to essentially stop exchanging our hours for dollars. We need to find a, a way to work smarter and not harder, get our money to work for itself. And that's how we really landed on real estate investing. Yeah. And when you landed on real estate investing, though, it's, I mean, you took a, a path that I think that not a lot of people will start off with, right? I mean, most people start with long-term rentals. And I know short-term rentals are a popular area in the last couple of years, but you kind of went all in. And so what did that look like for you to you know, take that leap and, and not go the traditional route? Yeah. So I wanted to be really intentional because when we were you know, paying down student loan debt, we essentially had burnt the candles at both ends. And so being intentional was really determining, you know what, which investment strategy is going to give us the best bang for our buck uh, while simultaneously not putting us in a position where we just bought another job. That's what we did not want to do is to buy another job. So I, I got really laser focused on like, what does this really entail? Not all of the marketing hoopla or anything like that. Like I really went out and spoke with the individuals who were, uh, say, wholesaling or fix and flipping or long-term uh, tenants, you know, the ones that were really doing the thing, multifamily syndicators. And I, and I asked, let me see what the balance sheets are looking like. Let me see what the level of effort is really looking like, you know? And I consumed a lot of podcast content like yours, Bigger Pockets, all of them, just to, you know, really evaluate what does it look like really behind the scenes. I wanted to peel the layer uh, there. 
Although short-term rentals, yes, there was a lift behind the scenes, but the numbers definitely penciled out. The balance sheet was looking really good. And when I niched into the luxury space, it was really, really lucrative. And I said, you know what? This is how we can potentially work smarter and not harder and create revenue streams that, you know, would exceed any of the other investment strategies uh, that we were familiar with at that time. Now, as you were talking about, you moved into the luxury space. And again, you, you picked a niche and, and that's where you went. I think that's important for anybody who's going to get started in real estate investing. Find something that you identify with and you, you feel like you can monetize it and it, it fits with your lifestyle and how you want to invest in real estate. But what we're, you know, what's so interesting is that you started this route and then you recognized that there's another opportunity out there in this midterm rental market. And you're the first person that I really saw that was starting to capitalize on that as a, you know, following your, your, your channel and your website. So could you explain to us what is the midterm rental? Yeah. So the midterm rental is a rental that is not a long term where you have a tenant for one year. Uh, it's not exactly a short term where you have a guest for one or two nights. It's in the middle. So hence a midterm rental. And the midterm rentals are 30 night stays of, you know, around there, could be three months. It just depends from a legal perspective on which state we're in. But about 30 night stays to about a six month stay is considered a midterm rental. Now, what's interesting, Clint, is that there are so many different avatars or potential guests that would need a midterm rental. Say someone is coming to the area to train at a local um, military base just for 30 days. You know, they're on a special assignment that they would need a midterm rental. Or say it's a, you know, an executive who is coming to you know, be interviewed for a high level role, a CEO role, and take three weeks and four weeks for him to go through all the processes. That's, you know, a midterm rental. That's someone who needs a midterm rental. So at the, um, I want to say during COVID, a lot of our um, first responders would travel to different markets and rent out midterm rentals. Our travel nurses, they rent out midterm rentals. They're typically on a 13-week contract, which they often renew if they're going to stay on assignment at that particular hospital. And so although we don't cater to travel nurses, but they're 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 the biggest population of midterm rentals as it relates to what's most common in that conversation. So for us, since we have luxury homes, luxury single family homes, some of which are in uh, destination vacation areas and others are in uh, suburban areas outside of um, metropolitan areas. Uh, those actually cater to individuals who are displaced from their home due to a weather-related disaster or a man-made disaster, unfortunately. So unfortunately, if you know, your house caught on fire, well, you would need a place to stay with your family you know, for three, six, nine months, depending on a supply chain, depending on, you know, the contractor's uh, <laughs> schedule, you know, sometimes, you know, we're going to... Train derailment, <laughs> chemicals are spilled everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those individuals who are displaced for whichever disaster, they would need to take advantage of a midterm rental as their home is being restored or as the area is being rebuilt. 
so you have taken your luxury homes. And so maybe you could define for us what is a luxury home in, from your perspective for this type of market? Yeah. So what I love about this uh, asset class, like the short-term, uh, short-term rentals and luxury, what I love about it is that modern luxury is not going to be, it's not your grandmama's luxury. You yeah. know, I don't know if you remember watching Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous with the gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not like that. You're dating so, me now. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Oh my goodness. I used to just watch that. But mm-hmm. modern luxury is really um, different than traditional luxury. So ever since the Industrial Revolution, the actual accumulation of things, the possessions and being able to, you know, uh, order something and it gets shipped to you from afar. Well, that's not as luxurious anymore. Like you can grab something off of Amazon. It's there this afternoon and I can grab the same thing. So it is not the accumulation of things, especially with the um, the avatar that's traveling now, the millennials, the Gen Zers. They want to accumulate experiences. They want to accumulate uh, unique experiences. They want to live like a local. They want to connect with nature, reconnect with those that they're traveling with. So the beauty of the current and modern luxury travel has more to do with the journey, not just the destination. So it's it's all encompassing, which is great. You know, of course, there are some tangible items as well. The default travel luxury bed is the king size bed. You know, we want convenience, you know, a keyless entry, uh, check in and check out. So those are some of the kinds of things. So if you can create and curate a space where they can connect with one another, where, you know, it exemplifies experience, where there's great curb appeal, you're able to really uh, create something special. Now, there is, of course, ultra luxury, which is, okay, you have the butler and the uh, the airplane pad, you know, we have a house with the hanger. Okay, so that's wow. ultra luxury, but yeah. it doesn't have to break banks because modern luxury, it's about, you know, can I put together, you know, dry goods for a recipe and they're having a local popular dish, you know, because you, you, you were thoughtful enough to put those things together, which is absolutely amazing. It looks so, like little, little touches that you're adding. Touch. Nice. Yeah. 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 Well, what about the houses though? So I'm, I'm curious, you see a lot of people who will look for homes that have a lot of bedrooms in them and a lot of bathrooms because they're trying to, you know, they're catered to that. Oh, well, we can get 12 people in here so we can charge more for it. Yeah. What do you look for in your space? And, and when you're advertising, you know, the midterm rental, what, what, what does that look like? Is it a three, two, yeah, at least I would say at least a three, two, but I like a four bedroom plus because a lot of time, uh, for this midterm rental avatar, which we cater to, which is a, a family, a larger family, uh, a lot of times if you go small, you're then competing with the REITs because they all, they have all these tutus and they can stand it up in 24 hours. Uh, put some rental furniture in there and because they have that infrastructure and the agreement with the temporary housing uh, agencies that work with your insurance companies, your all states, your state farm. So that's already in place. So how do you live in that blue ocean? You're not fighting with, you know, the feeding frenzy in the red ocean with the reeds that have what, 200, 500 doors, depending on which market you're in. Well, the way that you outperform them really is the asset class. You want something that they would not be able to produce in volume. 
which are four bedrooms and five bedrooms and six bedrooms. And so that's how you will um, typically stand out from the crowd when it comes to catering to this particular uh, avatar. However, if you're catering to a travel nurse, uh, they typically want their own private space. So understanding walking a mile in the shoes of your potential guests, they want, you know, their own space. So one bedroom, if you have a guest house or, you know, a carriage house, a casita, you know, uh, blackout blinds, you know, those individuals, the travel nurses or the travel uh, respiratory therapists, and, you know, there are several um, different uh, first responders. They, they're going to want their own private space. So a one-one uh, guest house is what they would prefer rather than staying in the reeds. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the best of both worlds, right? You find one that's got the four, four, five, four, six, and then you've got a one, one out on the back. You could really double down on that. Yeah. Um, so do you find the people that, you know, like you said, the avatars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who you're trying to determine. How do you find those or, or target those avatars for your properties? So what's great about it is it's really the other way around. My avatar dictates you know, the asset that I'm looking to invest in. So if I know that I'm, uh, my avatar is myself, which is me, I travel with my husband, his siblings and their children and their spouses and my siblings my, and grandma and grandpa. So I'm my avatar with like two dogs and a, and a strange cousin that makes it to vacation every year, right? <laughs> Pops out of nowhere is like, oh, you again. <laughs> like the timing on it. So if that's my avatar, you know, that's who I decide to serve. Really, you know, smooth luxury studio and in, in, in the middle of it, you know, and t- that's not going to be the property that I'm going after. Okay. So that, that it really informs, uh, who, uh, which types of properties that I'm looking to invest in. I'm looking for something that has a little bit of a spacious backyard, something that's going to have a vibe, uh, depending on the actual market, a hot tub, a swimming pool. Those are some of the things that are very popular, but it's very market dependent. What I hear you saying is that you're looking for something where you would want to stay, where you would bring people because mm-hmm. the, the avatar is someone that's going to have themselves possibly invite other people to, to, to stay with them for a while while they're in that location because they're going to be there for a longer period of time. So they want that sense of family around them that they would have when they're in their, their home. Is that yes. your yes. generalization? Yes. So that is my avatar. So our properties are, I call them hybrids. So mm-hmm. those who are visiting the area for a big family wedding, you know, who need it for a couple of nights, those are my short, short-term rental guests. So our properties work for that avatar. And those who are um, actually, you know, displaced from their home for a longer period of time. I had a family of 10 who were coming out of an 11 bedroom home. Although ours is six bedrooms in this particular market, but we were the only ones that could really host them. So yeah, we love to serve the larger families for the displaced homeowners, as well as the larger families for vacation rentals as well as who are visiting. Okay. So I got some questions on that, but before I just, this came to mind, you said travel with your animals. So do you make that all your properties are pet friendly so people can bring animals to, to the properties? Yes. Um, I started off, I was not pet friendly mm-hmm. and I realized quickly that I was leaving a lot of money on the table. And I would highly recommend if anyone um, is not pet friendly, they may need to consider that. So imagine if something happened to your home, 
Are you going to board Fufu for six months while your property is getting ready? Like, they're a part of the family. They truly are. So I was like, okay, I'm luxury. I'm bougie. We're not going to be pet friendly. And you know what? It didn't, it didn't work out. And so we kept getting asked again and again and again, can we please bring Fufu? And what's great about this asset class is you get to interact with your potential guests and, you know, they make it known like we, we can't find anyone who's pet friendly. And so as I spoke with the uh, temporary housing agencies, they said that pet friendly is the number one <laughs> amenity that they need. Uh, 80% of their homeowners need, a, need pet friendly accommodations and only 10% of hosts are willing to offer it. And so we turn on the, we turn on the flip on pet friendly and we were able to increase our revenue by 30%. We're already doing well. So an additional 30% for being pet friendly and being one of the only ones in our market. Now that I just spilled the tea, your audience knows my secret sauce. (laughs) Well, where do you draw the line? Miniature horses, ostriches. I mean, (laughs) I only look, my favorite are just dogs. I don't even like cats. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, Sorry, uh, my partner, he's not going to be happy when he, when he watches this video. He's a, uh, well, we're both cat lovers. He's got a cat named oh. after me and I have a cat named after him. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so dead. That is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt bad. My daughter, uh, I'd lost what cat that I was really attached to and she, she oh. bought me a new one. And I said, well, what are we going to name it? She goes, I don't know. Why don't you name it after your partner, Toby? So we call it Toby. <laughs> And I felt bad. So I went and I bought my partner a cat for Christmas and I put a little name tag. I said, here's Clint. You can have Clint now. Clint and Toby. <laughs> yeah, Clint and Toby. But uh, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, one of the things that I do recognize sometimes is uh, that people do want to travel with cats and you can see them on airplanes and things like that. But you you draw the line at that, just dogs only. No, I allow cats. I just, oh, do? yeah, okay. I don't love it, but I allow cats. Yeah. I can't be discriminatory towards cats. All right. So if you're thinking about this, we've talked about the properties, which you're typically looking for, but what about the markets? All right. So if I'm thinking about midterm rental, I have properties in certain markets right now. How do I know that's the right type of market? If I was going to make this switch or if I want to start investing, where should I look? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say as long as, unfortunately, as long as there's disaster and weather related issues, um, you probably are going to be primed to be open to serve this population if you listed on, you know, the platforms. If you're wanting to serve this population, you can list it up for a 30 night minimum. Uh, you will be primed. The markets that I see that aren't very good for midterm rentals are markets that experience extreme seasonality, such as like um, in Avalon, New Jersey, you know, that's open probably 12 weeks out of the year. You have nothing but, you know, second homes. You know, the primary homeowners have a primary home. So if there's a disaster at this beach home, well, they have a primary home, right? So those are the markets that where I have seen that this strategy does not work very well. Um, I may be wrong, but I haven't seen it work well in, in those types of high seasonality markets. Outside of that, as long as there's density in a market, there's an opportunity. So if you're living on farmland also and you have like 
everyone has 500 acres and the neighbors like 500 acres. Well, you're not going to get a lot of, you know, inquiries. But if you're living in a suburban area or if you're living, you know, in an area where there's quite a bit of density and there are quite a bit of primary homeowners, uh, this is a strategy uh, that I have seen that works well. And what's great about it is it, it pays very well uh, and because your temporary housing allow- allowance uh, is a, is a percentage really of the, uh, the rebuild value of your property, anywhere from 20 to 30%, generally speaking. I have seen higher, which is really nice. Uh, and that's per year per claim. And yeah, so as long as there's density, there's weather related issues. You just mentioned a trail derailment a little bit earlier. There's man-made issues, unfortunately. Um, some of these areas, I'm actually, I'm my own patient right now. I have a pipe that bursted, right? So it's like, it keeps happening everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there's a pipe that's bursting, you know, a, a fire, unfortunately, a, a fallen tree. Those are the main three quote-unquote catastrophes that we were able to host for throughout the area. And so you get to help someone in your community and get my nice payday as well. So then what I'm hearing is that with the midterm rental, unlike a, a short-term rental per se, is that the typical avatar, the people that are going to be renting from you a lot of times come from a certain possible radius because they've been displaced. And now they're going to drive 70 miles and, and stay at your house, your property for 30 or 60 days. Is, is that my interpretation or do I have that wrong? It's yes and no. I would say no first because... Typically, if it's a family who encountered, say, an accidental disaster, Mm -hmm. uh, in order to keep their uh, lifestyle and their way of living as close to what it is now as possible, they want to keep the kids in the same school. So the radius is going to be the school district, you know, within that same area. Now, if it's a, you know, level, and I don't work for FEMA, but it's like the highest level catastrophe in the entire area that's wiped out, then, you know, they would have to go further out. But I would say um, for most of our markets, it's the first one and not the latter. So it's a fallen tree. It's a, you know, I went on vacation, I came back home, the washer was on and unfortunately it wasn't hooked up in the back and it's, <laughs> it's a swimming pool inside my house. And I was on vacation for three weeks and we were starting to see mold. <laughs> so those types of accidental disasters happen more frequently, but we are seeing some weather, not taking weather as well, but accidental disasters like, oh my goodness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I found that I like to put in the properties of mowing. Yeah. Has mm-hmm. Flow by mowing. It is phenomenal. Not only that, it, it monitors, you know, whether or not you're using a lot of water, if you left sinks on, things like that, and it'll mm-hmm. shut off automatically. You get an alert, hey, your property here has it shut off on it. You're like, well, hey, what's going on over there? That's a pretty cool great, feature. Yeah. Most homeowners, you know, they don't have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that kind of plays into what I was thinking then, which means that if I have an existing, uh, you know, long-term rental property, then... I could consider that turning that into a a midterm rental property. And so I'd want to reposition that. And so what I heard you say is that you still advertise on the the VRBOs and the Airbnbs and things like that, or is there there a different website that is geared specifically for midterm rentals? 
Yeah. So I personally still advertise on Airbnb and VRBO. For those who are looking to host um, travel nurses, they're typically looking for properties on a website called FurnishFinder.com. But in addition to VRBO and Airbnb, I also list on a on a website called corporate housing by owner.com. That's corporate housing by owner.com. That's where a lot of the insurance uh, temporary housing agents, they look for properties as well. And then there's another one, uh, ALE solutions. That's ALE solutions. And I'll, I'll give that to you too, Clint. So you can add to the show notes. Yeah. You can just list your property and register it there. Uh, I will say there is a, a, an investment with the corporate housing by owner. I think it's like the baby plan is like 300 and then it goes up to 900, but it's worth it to get the baby plan because one booking will more than, more than cover that. It's definitely worth it. Well, you just gave me the lead into my next question. Oh. What does the money look like for a midterm rental versus a short-term rental versus a long-term rental as far as that, that, that cash flow? I love this question. Um, and not only the, um, I call it my ROI, but also my ROE. <laughs> so there, which is my return on energy, right? So there mm-hmm. are a number of different types of midterm rentals. And so I, I just want to break it down a little bit. If you list your property on furnishfinder.com to host travel nurses, my, my sister's a travel nurse aces, and she... <laughs> And she is very frugal, you know, which I get, right? So she's out there fighting for her life, you know? And so every dime that she makes, you know, she wants to bring home to her son, her family, to pay her mortgage. So she's looking for, you know, a nice, safe home. She's a little bit bougie too, like me, a nice, safe home, but she doesn't want to break the bank on it because she needs to take a lot, a lot of that revenue and bring it home. So I would say uh, the travel nurses are going to be your most frugal you're not it's it's you might as well you know consider it close to long-term rental if you know just maybe a little bump mm-hmm. you know that is uh, one type of midterm rental the the revenue is not great there now we have other midterm rentals also we have those who are relocating have you ever seen an individual that sold their home and they can't quite close on the next home quite yet mm-hmm. well that's a midterm rental situation uh, so that that usually falls under the relocation or homes in escrow a midterm rental and I would say the um, the, the revenue on that is going to be better than the travel nurse but not by that much you know because they're in that dicey period of uncertainty uh, and there are other midterm rentals as well there are uh, government contracts there's higher education. Uh, the revenue on the government contracts are, is pretty nice, uh, but the level of the ROE, the return, you know, the level of effort yeah. to get into those is going to be quite high. You have to have, you know, cybersecurity on your website, like a lot, you know, it takes a, a lot. lot to get uh, up and running with those. Um, and you have to bid and you have to be certified a certain way or registered a certain way. There's like seven things and it takes some time and it's well worth the effort, especially if you have the time capital. If you work on a full-time job, you have a whole husband and two kids and three dogs. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that can be demanding. I know. Many times. Yeah. Absolutely. And so those are some of the other materials. So, so those can be lucrative. Um, military families, not so much because they're, they're, their stipend is based on the GSA mm-hmm. rates as well. But this is why I like the temporary housing agencies. Um, the insurance companies, they saw a, a trillion dollar surplus in 2021. Their pockets are very deep. 
And so if you're living in an area where the properties, the property values are, you know, healthy and the land values are, you know, moderate, uh, the rebuild value is whereabouts the percentage for the temporary housing is calculated. So say the property value is 400K and you're at 25% is the loss of use coverage. That's 100K of temporary housing allowance for that one incident uh, per year. Wow. Yeah. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying when you talk about the ROE. Uh, I myself, I dabbled in in the short-term rental, bought a place in Hawaii. And after a year and a half, I dumped it. I said, there's just, I don't have that energy to put into dealing with people, you know, every three days, seven days. It was just too much. Yeah. Um, but this is, I can see that for people that don't want to do the short-term rentals, but they want to make more money yeah. than they are in the long-term rentals. And I think one thing that hasn't been identified, because I haven't really asked a question that, but I see this here is that sometimes, you know, when you're thinking about getting paid, right? Dealing with these tenants, I imagine it's not hard to collect because it's probably on credit cards, run through the site, it's all paid up front. Well, your tenants, you have two tenants, actually, technically, the insurance is on the hook on the lease as well. Yeah. So they pay. I get checks from the insurance companies. That's just awesome. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was meeting with a client yesterday and uh, she was explaining to me that you know, the, to evict someone right now, it takes uh, about six months to, to get someone out of a property here in Washington state and how frustrating it is, you, you know? So um, when you get all that money and you know, you've got guaranteed, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So I got a text message from one of uh, the members in my community where yeah. I shared the strategy yesterday. He got his, he got one, he got his first check. It was $29,500. Wow. For a 78 day stay in Wisconsin, which I'm like, isn't that like the middle of nowhere? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez. And in Wisconsin, mortgage is 2200 a month. I'm like, nice. 29000 mm-hmm. I got another student that hers was 89000 net. Uh, she's been hosting a family for um, from May to December. Uh, her net after her mortgage, which was eighteen hundred dollars in Georgia, it was eighty nine thousand and some change. I, I forget the rest of it, and it's like it's transformative for totally. uh, for them. It really is. And for her, she's a teacher, so she said, "I made three x my annual salary with this strategy," and I absolutely love it. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Your website, uh, short term rental gems, right? That is the name of Yes. Yeah, short term gems. I've got a link down below. Now you start talking about the people in your community and your students. Can you explain to them, you know, what you do on that side? Because you have so much information out there for, for individual investors. When I was growing up, Clint, I we didn't sit around the table. I was like latchkey, right? Mom and dad, they were working. They were my my parents in Haiti, they were doing well. Then when they came here, they they were working factories and Cab driving, and we didn't have those talks around the table where, you know, this is what a 1031 exchange is. This is what a bonus depreciation and cost segregation. We, that wasn't happening, you know, so we were not set up that way. Um, financial literacy was not a part of the conversation because there were not, no finances really to literate upon, is what I like to say. And so when I started to show up in these rooms and to, you know, be in communities where these conversations were the norm, 
I learned as much as I could. And I decided, you know, I'm going to bring it to my community of other individuals who are like me who did not experience this, who were just like me and just grinding it out, you know? And so I have a Facebook community where every week I go live and I share, I train, I interview, you know, others in the industry, whether it's a tax strategist, that's just going to show you how to uh, ditch the burnout culture, get a little Mm -hmm. bit of margin and breathing room, you know, because what we learned was get your education and work your fingers to the bone. And there's another way. <laughs> Absolutely. And you train as well yes. on uh, individuals, how to create midterm rentals, how to build that business out. Correct. Yeah, I do. I do. Every quarter I hold a live workshop. It's a two day workshop where I make sure no question goes unanswered. And so I, I hold everyone's hand from step by step to baby step, wherever you're at. Uh, like you, Clint, you say you have, you know, long-term rental, you might want to reposition. Great. Some people have nothing to start with. You know, great. Let's start with where you're at. And so if you tap into my community, I have um, a free list, 75gems.com. Once you tap into there, (laughs) I'll definitely connect you to all of the other resources. Well, awesome. I want to thank you for coming on with Mm -hmm. us. I mean, your story is fabulous. And all of those links, they're in the show notes. Guys, hey, listen, if this is something you're considering or if you have never heard about it before, go get educated. Click those links, go to her website. As she's been telling you, there's a ton of information. I've been through the site and it's, I would say it's a bit transformative because it changes the way we look at our real estate and our investing and what we can do with it to to make more money. As I mean, those checks that you were talking about, I'd yeah. love to be bringing in a check like that off just one property for six months. Yeah. And I know I, I want to add also for those who may be facing regulatory restraints as well. This has been the answer to a lot of the members in my community who are concerned that, you know, there's a new regulation that's coming down. There may be a ban or a limitation on permits. So these 30 day stays are something that I think everyone needs to be thinking about as well uh, and putting a, an extra tool in your toolbox. I know I'm going to send this. The link to this video out to I know one of my clients, she's a physician, her husband's a physician, and they are closing on some properties, some t- townhomes in, t- in Dallas area. Oh, wow. And yeah. that, which she didn't know, because oh, she was going to use uh, short term rentals for these properties. Oh, she didn't pay attention uh, to the CCNRs that limit it to 30 days, minimum 30 days. Yeah. And uh, we'd had that discussion. In, the midterm rental discussion. This was well. This was a couple months ago, before I started following you. Didn't even didn't even cross my mind. And uh, it can save that right. deal. It could literally save that deal for her. You're right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. That that's it right there. Because that's what she was planning to do. And and this is I think really going to help her. Um, thanks for coming on. Anything you want to uh, leave in passing with everyone that's been watching? Oh, thank you so much, Clint. Just everything is figure outable, right? Whenever we face an obstacle. Uh, there is a way around it. <laughs> There's a way through it. Just keep tapping into your community. Keep tapping into you know those who are doing the thing. And uh, there's definitely a way to figure out how to take your next best step. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode. 